Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Helen. And I'm Sarah. And this is the Squiggly Careers Podcast, a weekly podcast where we help you to navigate the ups and downs and ins and outs of your squiggly career by taking the topics that you probably need a bit of support with, and so do we, and sharing ideas for action and different insights that we think will help you and your development. And today's episode is the third part of our four-part series, all around soft skills. So we were inspired by a report produced by the World Economic Forum, which focused on the 10 skills that we all need to focus on for our development by 2025. And we looked through that list and thought, what haven't we talked a lot about? And what would we like to learn a bit more about? And that was the focus. So we have done one episode already on originality. We have done one on critical thinking. And today's topic that we're going to talk about is on social influence. So we've approached each of these episodes with a similar structure, which we hope just helps you as you're listening. We start off with a quote that stood out for us from the book. We then talk about three things that we've learnt, who we think might want to read the book if you want to dive a bit deeper, and an action for you to take if you want to increase your skills in this area. So if you want to get better at social influence will suggest and recommend something that you might want to try out based on what we've learned from our reading this week. And I think it's fair to say our reading this week has taken us outside of our comfort zones into new territories as we've been learning about social influence. So tell us about the book that you've read, Helen. Well, my book, I take a deep breath, it's a very deep breath book, everyone, is The Techniques of Social Influence, subtitle, The Psychology of Gaining Compliance. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the normal book I read, by Darius Delinsky. And what about you? So first of all, I read a chapter from a textbook, a, like a, I think it's a university textbook about psychology, to try and figure out where to go with because actually, if you go into the classic Amazon, other booksellers are available, and just write social influence, not much pops up, which is very unusual, especially if it's a skill we're all meant to be getting better at. And so I sort of read this chapter, got a bit lost, but the few bits that really stood out to me then led me to the book that I did read. And I'm really glad that I did because I now understand what social influence is. And that's by Jonah Berger, who actually wrote a book called Contagious that then sort of did spring to mind for me when I was thinking, oh, actually, I, re I remember reading that. But this book is called Invisible Influence, The Hidden Forces That Shape Behaviour. Quite strong words, like compliance and forces. Mm. <laughs> Serious not, stuff. They're not light reads, either of these books, I will say. 
No, I think we had quite different reading experiences, which we'll come on to. Mine was a bit more accessible, I think, I think than yours. <laughs> Mine's the most academic book that I've read for a very, very long time. And in fact, the first point, which is sort of to share a quote from the book, I found really hard to do. It's not a very quotable book. You're not going to see this on Instagram, I would say, this book. So the quote that I chose was this one. See what you think, Sarah. Most people are concerned not only with what they think of themselves, but also with how they are viewed by others. We try to manipulate the impression we make on others so that they think of us in a manner consistent with our own interests. Discuss. Okay. I feel like that's like an essay question from a psychology A level. (laughs) This is the theme that we're going to go on throughout this podcast. (laughs) Which actually neither of us did. Did you do psychology A level? No, I wish I had. Oh, I did sociology. They They didn't have it at my school. Yeah, they, they, they did. I, th- I don't know. I did sociology, which I loved. I think I was actually a bit scared psychology was going to be too sciencey, And you know you're attached to, I wasn't very good at science GCSE. Yeah, and no, I really wasn't. <laughs> I had to retake my, my science GCSE. Whereas I think I probably would have been quite interested. Okay, interesting. So mine, mine is a few sentences, but I brought them together because I think it also helps to describe what social influence is, because that has taken me a bit just to get mm-hmm. my head around. So here he says, because at our core... We are all social animals. Whether we realise it or not, other people have a subtle and surprising impact on almost everything we do. When it comes to our own lives, social influence is as silent as it is powerful. Just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. So yours is a lot nicer. Mm. (laughs) Yours is like, oh, we're sort of influencing people consciously and unconsciously and that's just the way the world is. Whereas mine is like, it's sort of almost self-serving and we're trying to manipulate people, which is uh, just not quite as nice when you look at it from that perspective. Well, he actually goes on to say, by itself, social influence is neither bad or good. And I thought, oh, that's quite interesting because as you do read about social influence, we were both saying actually before recording this podcast, you do feel quite uncomfortable at times you feel uncomfortable about some of your own decisions that have been impacted by other people how you might be influencing and you not wanting to be inauthentic or manipulative and how your ego might get in the way so it is it is quite a confronting thing to read about and some of the examples that they give and I think you talked about so you start trying out on people I, I like I've literally shown people pictures that are in this book and being like what would you say is the difference between these two bags which we will come back to and there was one that I was reading I was like I really want to talk to Helen about this one because she is exactly this sort of person. And I was like, oh, and I'm exactly not. And then we've probably both built up our own perspectives of ourselves based on this to do with bags. We'll come back to it. Okay, like nice nice bags. Yes. Great. Can't wait. Yeah, if I can get excited talking about bags, that's brilliant on a podcast. So should we do our insights, the stuff that we've learned? Let's. Um, who's going first? Go on, you go. Okay, I've got, I've got a few things. Insight one. So bearing in mind, everyone, this book is about techniques. So you know, techniques to influence people. So most of my insights are about, oh, what, what different stuff could we do? So insight one is about a type of technique called the sequential technique. So it's a way if you are trying to sort of influence people, sort of different ways you can do it. And there are three different sequential techniques. There's the foot in the door, the door in the face, and the repeating yes technique. So okay. I want to talk teach, about the- Teach me. Teach you, teach you. Sarah's got a pen at the ready. <laughs> so the foot in the door technique of influence is where you're going to make an easy request of someone first, like, can I spend more time learning this year at work? And Sarah will go, yeah, sure. 
And then that's quite an easy request. And then I might say, great, there's a course I'd like to do next week. But because we've started with an easy request first, it's like a, called the foot in the door strategy. So at work, you want to get something, you know, someone to agree to something. What's the easy ask before you, you know, make the more significant request? That's foot in the door. Okay, I can... I can... That makes sense. Does make sense. I don't feel too bad about that one. Great, great. Door in the face. Yeah. Less, <laughs> so, less good about this. So this is where you give someone the opportunity to say no to something. So you sort of sacrifice something. So I might say to you, Sarah, can I have £100? And you'd be like, no. <laughs> oh, I need to save it for a bit no. and then you can. And then I might, and I might make an easy request, which is like, okay, completely get it, but I could do with a coffee. Could I get a coffee? And obviously apply that to something at work, but you, you take something that you think might be a no, you offer it up. And the idea here is that people don't really like saying lots of no's. So if they've said one, you've given it up, they're more likely to say to yes to your second request. The okay. door in the face strategy. More manipulative. Yeah. One yeah. Feels. You, there's a theme. There's a theme <laughs> in these things. Or is it? Let's just call them techniques for you to try out everybody. Okay. And then the third one in this sequential series is about the repeating yes. So this is where people get almost into sort of a rhythm of saying yes so you start with something quite big conceptual so I might say to you do you think that careers are squiggly Sarah yes Hmm. do you think that people should develop the skills to succeed in squiggly careers yes do you think supporting people to develop skills is important yes would you like to invest in a squiggly careers program well, I don't know. It depends on what your cost <laughs> But you get the idea. I was trying to go on a squiggly relevant one. They're very but... closed though, aren't they? They're very closed. Yes or no questions are very closed questions. Yeah, and I think you'd have to really think about it in mm. advance. And, but it's that idea that, you know, getting people to sort of stay, stay with the yeses. So very salesy. Yes. It feels very, it feels very salesy. It also feels very 50 years ago in some ways, just in the way that you've described it. It's quite blunt, isn't it, in terms of a, you know, you're feeling like you're using something to get what you want, you know, versus the sort of everyone can win and there's room for everyone. Yeah, I wouldn't say this is the everyone can win book. Right, okay. <laughs> just, just a, just a okay. frame going back to last Some people can win. This is about how can you use some techniques based on, re- it's a very research heavy book. So this is, you know, research proven ways to influence people to outcomes that you, you want. So, you know, maybe. maybe it's interesting. Yeah. So that's the first insight I got to. Sequential techniques, sort of playing around with them. The second one was all about ego, which I thought was really fascinating. So you can play with the concept of ego to influence people. One of the things that really stuck out for me was around people's name so when you get into the area of ego people are very attached to their name it feels very familiar to them so subtle things that you can do here are if I could use your name slightly more in a meeting so if I'm talking to you I'm like Sarah I know that this is really important to you that we do it in this way and you don't want to overuse it but it really helps someone sort of feel like a sense of connection they they like their name the funniest thing that I read about this was people have so much ego about their name that they are more likely to do jobs that kind of have a connection to their name. So statistically, there are more dentists called Dennis. There are more Maybe people... that's why I work for, Sarah, work for Sainsbury's. Oh my gosh. And I now work in squiggly careers. It's your ego. Right. I mean, I do also love food and I love careers. So that was the other reason, but... Wow. And also all the other companies don't begin with S, but okay. But, but there's two, there's two. <laughs> uh, but I just thought it was interesting, like how can you kind of use people's names, perhaps the point of influence and also find points of connection. So people like people like them. 
And the research they showed here was even if you and me sort of found out we had the same star sign. So they found mm. that, that it doesn't have to be like an important point of connection. It can be we've read the same book or we get the same train in the morning that people like people like them. So if you can quickly find a point of connection with someone in a company that can give you a foundation for how you might be able to influence them. So, and then the last one, this is a quicker, activating imagination. So if you're like in a meeting with someone and you can unlock their imagination, they are kind of more open to influence. So let's say Sarah and me are writing a book. We've genuinely been talking about, you know, what might our next book like? And let's say I've got an idea that I'm really attached to. We've both got ideas. But if I said to Sarah... Oh my Sarah, God, you've been using this on me in the last two hours. <laughs> this is the big reveal. It's not, it's not been working very well. <laughs> but if I said to Sarah, all right, so this idea that I've got about a book on X, Y, and Z, let's imagine you're a person at this stage in your career and this is the problem you're faced with. The research shows that just getting you to imagine a situation that I'm trying to influence you in makes you more sort of open to my ideas. And so I know there's quite a lot of theory in that because it's all based on these experiments. But I do think there are some practical things that you can do with the the foot in the door, the door in the face, or maybe those find the points of connection or getting someone to imagine scenarios that I could I could imagine sort of using at work in different situations. Yeah, and the imagining one could be really positive. So, you know, we know it's useful to hold your ideas lightly. It's good. Scenario planning is helpful in careers. So that's a technique you could use for yourself as well as with each other. If you were doing coaching, for example, you, if I was coaching you in your career and I was thinking, oh, I think Helen can only see her next step as a promotion. And I'm trying to encourage you to think more widely than that, because I think that will be useful for you in your career. I could say, well, just imagine for a moment that you are in this function like what skills do you think you would use what do you think you'd enjoy about that so that kind of imagining options I can see how that could be helpful and then actually you're more if that made you more predisposed to be curious and open to using your skills in different way if it sort of unlocked confidence and capability you can see how that could be helpful I feel more upbeat about that one. <laughs> I'm glad I ended on my insights on a high. Go on then, let's get to the bags. Um, well, yeah, it's interesting. I wonder whether yours has been written from a slightly different perspective. So yours sounds it's more like the social influence that you can have on other people. Whereas I think this book is written more about understanding your own social influence. So understanding that you are influenced by lots of different things, understanding your own behaviour. Mm. Um, and he talks about how... So here's a really here's a really good example actually. So he put loads of flyers on BMWs on cars, and the, like the questions were, um, you know, like why do you think other people buy BMWs, and then sort of why do you think you buy? Why have you bought a BMW basically? And what is so interesting is like you completely recognise social influence on other people. So oh, other people buy BMWs because of like status and maybe like ego or I don't know, I want, a, I want a swanky car, whatever it might be. Things that perhaps are a bit more negative or kind of detrimental, you, you assign that to other people. And then you are literally, you have the same car. And then when you answer that question about yourself, it'll be, oh, the mileage is really good. Practically, it was the car that like made the most sense for my family. So it's like, and people don't, you don't see the irony. You know, like, so it's so interesting, isn't it? Like the difference between exactly the same thing and then people can't see that gap. That example has really stuck with me. So this book is more the kind of you seeing it for yourself and then kind of asking yourself, so what might I do with that? What he talks about with social influence is that we all sort of have this like mixture of 
a need to conform and a need to be different and a need to imitate and also a need to avoid imitating. Mm. So it's like same but different. Okay, a bit of a complex. Yeah, that sort of drive for conformity and sort of imitation where it's more sameness and then the drive for distance and divergence and, and difference is influenced by loads of different stuff. So your social class, you know, where you work, how much you feel like you need to fit in, you know, and I guess that can be in quite a bad way. You know, we've talked before about if you need to be, um, if you feel like you're being a career chameleon, everywhere you go, you're having to be someone else. You're like, that's really tiring. It's almost like noticing is that, do you feel like you've got a really high need for conformity or are you working somewhere where there's this almost like expectation of conformity? And we have talked before about um, some companies almost have that kind of sense of sameness, like everyone is quite similar and don't want to use the word cult but you you know that sort of sense of like there's a cultness to it and for some people that might actually work really well but for other people if you really value difference then it kind of it it wouldn't so it's that's just kind of quite interesting it's almost like there is a tension in social influence in ourselves there is this tension like I will want to conform enough and then there'll be a point where I want to be different so let's say I thought um oh I really like some of Helen's jewellery, what I would probably do is go, okay, well, I'm not going to get exactly the same jewellery. It's going to be different enough, but I've still sort of been inspired by Helen because I, she's very familiar to me and I see her and I like her, essentially. So in the context of careers, there's a level of social conformity, do you think, with people's careers? Well, so oh, then I started to get to, here we go. oh, this is quite interesting for squiggly careers. So if you think about the shape of careers, conformity certainly historically, has equaled climb the ladder, like go on that staircase. So that is where, you know, all of the sameness and our need to feel like, well, we should do what's done before. Like we would all be, we would all be quite driven by that, but some of us would be more driven by that than others. So for example, one of the things they talk about, and this actually really resonated with me, is if you're from more of a working class background, you have more of a need for sameness and fitting in because also you see it as like a good thing. So I remember at school, like not having the cool shoes and being like, oh, but I haven't got the cool shoes. And I really want, I wanted the cool shoes and I wanted to fit in. And and so actually, let's say now me and my friend got exactly the same car or the exact same outfit or something, you wouldn't see it as a bad thing. You'd be like, oh no, it's, it's good. It's like a sign of almost success. I'm in the club that we're... Yeah, so I might, because of your background, I might be more impacted by say my peers and what my peers are doing and say comparison and conformity mm-hmm. might be more like my inclination. Whereas actually, if you have grown up potentially with like in very comfortable surroundings, where almost you might be more encouraged to be distinct and different, you know, the sort of go your own way mm-hmm. and your career feeling really unique to you that we always talk about, that is probably easier for you. It's easier to let go of the ladder, is my hypothesis, if you have grown up with quite a lot of difference and distinctiveness sort of bedded into like your home environment your school environment your university environment so I was thinking oh I definitely found it really hard to let go of some of the status symbols some of the things that go with like the ladder and also you and I both spent a long time in very big organizations and so if you're thinking about for example one of the reasons why you might not have made that move earlier like move to amazing if earlier is probably that like need for 
both conformity and familiarity because familiarity feels comfortable and we feel at ease Mm -hmm. and it's a really good distinctive shortcut for our brain so I mean first of all massive credit to people who've had very squiggly careers for a long time because that would have felt harder and harder the further back you go and I was thinking oh hopefully one of the things that we're making easier for people to do is say even though we probably all have a bit of a drive for conformity and familiarity hopefully we're giving people the permission it's okay to be distinct it's okay to sort of squiggle in your own way to not feel like you need to be the same as the person you sit next to so if you could connect to a community of people who are more squiggly Mm. then you're from a social influence perspective it might reduce your well you're going to conform with squiggly rather than conform with the ladder basically okay got it yeah yeah so I was like oh that's quite interesting and another work example and there aren't that many work examples I wouldn't say a lot of it is sort of more life example which we'll come on to the back in a second but sharing an opposite opinion in a meeting is very hard to do so if if you're in an organization firstly where people it is quite similar and then you've got a different point of view that's where you know those opinions don't get heard and so one of the things they do talk about in the book is because essentially you're asking people to go against human nature you know to like stand out yeah to, to be the person zigging when everyone else is zagging so they were saying if you want to encourage people to do that you've either got to create anonymity and they did some experiments where that made a really big difference because suddenly you're not going to get called out on it. You're not going to stand out in any way. Or you've got to create something where almost a mechanism that means opposite opinions are voiced. So, like for example, someone in our team last week was doing, gave a really good example of a knotty problem we're trying to solve. And she was saying, oh, sometimes a really good technique is to, rather than say what would make this situation better, is say what would make the situation worse. And that like unlocks new thinking. Now, by her doing that, she's sort of given us all permission to make the situation worse and someone else might have already been thinking about that, but not dared to sort of say it out loud. So just thinking about, given we all have this sort of need of familiarity to do things the way we've done them before, but we also know at the same time what got us here won't get us there, you sort of can't expect everybody to do things very differently, to behave in different ways, maybe to experiment, which we've talked about how important that is, or to try things out. You've got to create the conditions to make that as easy as possible given essentially it does go against how we are hardwired got it okay that makes sense mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, so we're on to the next thing. So I'm now going to do a scientific experiment on Helen. And I suspect if any actual psychologist listening to this will be like, no, like you're not this. in a controlled environment. <laughs> uh, this is absolutely not. So this is not how to do this. But we are actually recording this podcast very unusually in the same room. So I'm just going to show Helen a picture of two bags. I know the brand of those bags, yeah. Yeah, and you can say the brand. Longchamp. We're not, we're not the BBC. <laughs> We'd have to be, we don't have to be balanced in our... Uh... So describe to me the differences between those two bags. Uh, so the bags are similar in size. They have a, a long handle. In fact, the only difference that I can see, well, the primary difference that I can see is that they're different colours. One looks black, one looks white. However, this is in a black and white book, so that might, might not be the case. <laughs> I think maybe the handles are slightly darker colour. Maybe one of the handles is lighter, one of the handles is darker. But sizing looks the same. Colour, I would go colour. Okay. So what's interesting is if you show that image to people who don't own those bags, which is you, I assume you don't own those bags, do you? You have quite a lot of bags. I've got those bags. <laughs> I, don't, I, no. have, I have in the past, but I don't you know. You don't have Okay. Yeah. That's interesting you have them in the past. Oh, no, I don't know how that oh, makes no, sense. It's, it's a new variable. It's but a new variable. If you've not got the bags, people describe it in the way that you did. So people say, oh, they're like 90, 95% similar. The colour's slightly different, potentially. If you own one of the bags you describe all of the differences. You sort of go into, oh, these are not the same two bags. Like this one, the stitching's slightly different or because it's part of your identity and you've sort of made a choice about this bag, for you, those bags are very distinct and very different. So even though they're exactly the same two bags, almost like once you've attached yourself to something, you basically tell yourself a story. So the other example they gave, which I was like, this is definitely true as a parent, you know, if you saw 15 kids had done a picture of a tiger yeah, and they're all coloured in that tiger and you're like, oh, they're all broadly the same. But then you see another one and you're like, oh, but this is your kid's picture of the tiger. And suddenly they're not all the same. Suddenly you're like, oh, well, this one, oh, like I love the way he's like coloured in just in, I love the orange contrast that he's used. And actually my son did a picture of a tiger and I was thinking, <laughs> and actually I didn't do that. I was sort of slightly meaner about his one, but you know, like the... The, the meaning we attach to things sort of when we've made a choice about it. And it's all really about how we sort of see ourselves and our preferences and our uniqueness. Because in some ways, even though we talked a lot about conformity, we all sort of create this like character. Is that the ego bit that's around like ourselves? Yeah, I wonder if it is. He doesn't ever use the word ego, I don't think. I didn't come across the word ego. But he sort of has this point of view about going... Well, you sort of build up this like profile of yourself, which is influenced by other people. It's influenced by brands and what like brands are telling you, like marketing and salespeople. He talks about like Starbucks as a really interesting example, where it's like one of the reasons that people like Starbucks is, you know, you can be very specific about your preferences. And it's like, well, here's Sarah's flat white with whatever milk. Oh, well, and that's all that. interesting, isn't it? As well, back to the name. You know, back to the name. Yeah, yeah so I name. was like, oh, that's mm. really interesting. So A, they use your name, mm. but also it's very distinct. Your cup of coffee is not the same as the next person's. Yeah. And so you're basically prepared to pay twice as much for a coffee that feels very like yours. And if you've bought one of these bags, it's yours. You don't want like other people 
to have it. You've kind of created this like world. So at work, it's almost like how can you let people like personalize either their their work in some way, like personalize the way that they want to work or the project that they're working on or uh yeah, yeah interesting. it's really interesting. But these signals are not set in stone. They can be revised with new information. So also we should all feel reassured that it's not like we're not open to understanding other things. It makes me think, um, so in Amazing If, the company that Sarah and I run, we kind of let people choose their job titles. And again, that kind of gives that sense of ownership and personalization. And yeah. So someone, for example, let's say you've got an alternative Amazing If and an alternative reality called... Imagine If. Imagine If, yeah. (laughs) Back to imagining things. And two people in that, in Imagine If, could have exactly the same jobs as people in Amazing If, but they haven't chosen their job titles. They would probably feel very very differently about those jobs versus that sense of well this is unique to me this is sort of mine and then the last thing I found really interesting actually is this idea of an inverted you which is how we feel about actually loads of things but I could apply this quite quickly to jobs and this inverted you is to do with our relationship between newness and familiarity and like how influence affects that so potentially what this is arguing is like when you're first in a new job it can feel really hard because there's a lot there's a lot of newness and particularly where there's complexity the more complexity there is the less likely there is to be like habits or things you can fall back on or things that feel familiar so that can feel really really hard and you might not be enjoying that you could even be tempted to give up so I guess if you were learning like a new skill yeah okay that makes sense you might initially be like oh I'm just not enjoying this can't get my head around it it's like when I first started Wordle last year like took me a week of not being able to and do now Wordle look at you. and now look at me <laughs> now I can some days do Wordle um most days actually do Wordle but initially you like I could have been really tempted to give up I'd be like this is too too difficult can't do it then you get into like the top of the you and that's where you feel really positive about it because it is familiar enough but without being too familiar and that's almost like the sweet spot and if you can keep people in that I was thinking about this in terms of jobs as in job crafting how do you keep updating like roles and responsibilities, giving people enough stretch? Because what you don't want to do is come down the other side of the U, because when you do, you then fall into boredom, which yeah. is a bit like, you know, the finding flow model where you get into autopilot. Yeah. That's what it reminded me of. I was like, if you come down the other side of the U, and I hear people talk about jobs in this way quite a lot, where they say, oh, I sort of feel like I've done everything there is to do. Or I've, I've, I feel like I've sort of done this now. And you've sort of lost that sense of, any newness or any stretch or and then you start to lose kind of motivation so it's sort of like scary stretching stagnant yeah is where you are new but the connection with social influence so the connection with social influence is firstly if you were trying to influence other people you don't want it to feel so alien to people so say you were trying to sell a new product if it felt completely alien people would find that really hard it, it would often be really difficult for people to sort of get their heads around it. Whereas if you could make it feel just familiar enough, that's when you'd probably get lots of people getting quite excited about it quite quickly. Now, there are some, I suppose, there's some examples of things where you're like, well, it kind of came completely, if you think about like some of Apple's things, you know, the kind of classic innovation example where they did things very differently. But I was thinking they were probably still felt familiar enough. People were used to listening to music on Sony disc mods or whatever before the iPod came along they just did it it was sort of close enough to something that people could recognize 
but equally different enough for people to get excited about. Interestingly, the very first podcast we did in this series, Originality, and I read Originals by Adam Grant, he said the most successful ideas were iterative, not mm. brand new, because they actually built on things that already existed, which probably both reduced the risk, but also meant they felt familiar to the people that they were being sold to. So maybe there's a bit of that as well. Yeah, and they call it like sometimes like the Goldilocks effect. You know, it's like too hot, too cold, just right. <laughs> Which actually kind of, kind of... I like that. Um, <laughs> and they describe... That's how they describe our emotional reactions, which is sort of like you were describing in terms of get an easy yes, get a very dramatic no, and then you sort of get to just right, yeah. kind, kind of in the middle. I mean, the more you read about these things, the more it does start to be a bit scary in terms of all of the things that you can be influenced by. And then you start to question, like, do I like being influenced by those things? What am I influencing without knowing? But I think sometimes maybe... What I started to do as I was reading this was understand how and why I might react in the way that I do to certain things and help me to question those things for myself. So it made me be questioning of myself and really think about, like, well, what do I want to be influenced by in a positive way? Because as he says, he doesn't see social influence as good or bad. He just sees it as like, it just is. You can't, I don't think you can escape social influence because we are social beings. But I think what you can start to do is think, okay, well, given I'm always influenced by the people and places that I spend time in, is that a good thing? And what like, what does that mean for me and kind of my character? I think Darius, who the author of my book, he doesn't really have this good and bad take either, or he sort of sits on the fence, but he does have a chapter which touches on like the ethics of influence to the point of, okay. uh, because I think mine does have more specific techniques that you can try out that if you did lots of them, you probably would. It was quite manipulative. I think if you did all these things, yeah. whereas yours just seems to be slightly more insightful and considered, I would say. Yeah, they do describe at the start, they were like, oh, and then there's lots of examples of how you can apply, like the application. That application never quite came for me when I was <laughs> reading. What came for me was lots of, oh, that's so interesting. You know, like I had that reflection of like, oh, well, when I was growing up, I definitely, definitely wanted to fit in. Okay, so that's probably why... I was very comfortable working in very big organisations where lots of fitting in happens. Mm -hmm. If I had gone and worked in very small, organic, you know, fail fasty type organisations at the start of my career, I probably would have found that very difficult and might not have enjoyed that environment because it would have felt too unfamiliar from kind of where I'd come from. It's probably why I was attracted to those big companies in the first place. And also I spent a fair bit of time in my career with people very like me. And again, probably no surprises. So if you are really going to invest in this skill, I guess, because I think the books Sarah and I've read are really different, but I guess it's looking at the skill from two sides of the same coin. So the book that I have read is about what you can do to influence other people, like lots of different techniques to try out. And the book that Sarah has read is more about you as an individual and how you are influenced by, I think, bigger, broader things than just by yes. what someone's saying to you in a meeting. Yeah. So for my who, like who should read my book... I think anyone who is curious about psychology, I think if you're just interested in psychology, for some people listening, I guess if you if you know a lot about psychology, this might all be, you might be like, this is psychology 101. I already know all of this. But as someone who doesn't know loads about it, I was like, oh, this is just fascinating. And you and I actually kept uh, sharing little bits mm. of what we were reading, more so than actually some other things that we've done. And we weren't necessarily going, this is really useful. We were always going, so interesting. This is really interesting. I wasn't always quite sure what to then go and do with it, but I was like, but it's certainly interesting. So psychology, in terms of areas you might work in, I think if you're in marketing or sales, lots of the examples you start to see how if you're trying to sell something to someone else or if you're trying to market or maybe innovate, 
almost increasing your chances of success but that doesn't mean doing something you feel uncomfortable about and as somebody who used to work in marketing I was thinking oh actually I think lots of marketeers would find this really interesting you know like it's human behavior it's like understanding that and more generally if you're really curious just about what might influence me I think I've now got a better understanding of the social influences on me and I think his point is he really wants you to accept that you are influenced by other things and I definitely got to the end of the book being like yes I definitely am and I've started to be you can start to be quite specific about those influences and how big an impact those things might have and I got some questions I'll talk about in a minute in terms of action that I think might be useful to ask yourself and I think mine would be exactly the same in terms of who would want to read this book with one exception which I think is this one is a bit more academic when you say a bit more I mean that is not how you described it to me Helen (laughs) basically 200 pages of research studies like I would say on every page there's maybe like 10 different examples of research studies and the author has basically gone through them all and found the points of connections and joined the dots for you in terms of what are the main insights across this so the language is very academic which is fine if you like reading that but it is quite a lot (laughs) it's quite a lot to sift your way through if you want to take some sort of stuff away you can put to practice at work but that's what we're here to do for you so that's fine whereas I would say invisible influence actually is um, easy to read like the experiments just which are they do still describe experiments but a they've got pictures in the book you know like I love the pictures of the bags and they've got oh which of these lines is longer have you seen that experiment before they show three lines you know some of those kind of classic quite fun things or they get you to memorize some words and then read a paragraph and then they're like which of these can you remember and so there's sort of quite fun mini experiments yeah and it's not a tough read and you could definitely read it in chunks so um perhaps the more accessible of the two so should we go through actions then? Yes. Uh, so the action that I have taken away is one that I've made up <laughs> because I can't, you know, I've given you different ideas. But what I think I've shared with you listening is six different tactics to try out. So in summary, that was foot in the door, door in the face, repeat a yes, say the name, create connection and activate imagination. They were the things I talked through. And my recommended action would be to do a bit of an influence audit. So I think write the list of the people that you work with that you might like to influence for different reasons, you know, your manager, your colleagues, stakeholders, whoever they are, then review those tactics that I just talked about and we'll put them on the pod sheet and effectively like match the tactic to the person. Like who could you try this out with just so that you could sort of more actively experiment with it. But I think the point is you're trying to be authentic here. Like you want this to feel like you and it is likely that different people will be different. Different people will be influenced by different tactics. And so you're just trying to think like with Sarah, I don't think I'd do the door in the face thing. Like I'd like get Sarah to say no in order to get Sarah to say yes. That's not, I'd do imagination 100% with Sarah. <laughs> that would get her on board. But I think that would be a good way of you taking this stuff and sort of doing something with it at work that felt practical. So I... Uh, taken a similar approach but done some questions that I thought might be helpful for people to think about so I thought maybe a good starting point is how much are you motivated if you almost like if you've got a zero in the middle and 10 at one end and 10 at the other how much am I motivated by sameness versus difference like right now and you could do that with the lens of looking at your career your work just generally and I, I actually found that a really helpful question to think about perhaps where I've been in the past versus where I am now. Like, I think I'm more motivated by difference now than ever before. And I wonder if that's also connected to, I'm probably more confident than I've ever been before. And I'm less influenced by comparison, I think. I'm probably not. But you know, when you're just like, okay, so, but I think I would have been way more influenced by sameness. And again, sameness and difference is not 
bad and good. We are all influenced by some of those, but might be helpful to know where do you feel like you are right now. And then think about who influences you at work, what influences you at work, how can you have a positive influence on others? So I added that word in positive because I felt better about it when I when I did. And then I just thought very practically a where question. You might want to think about where am I on that inverted U in terms of my role today? So maybe you're, I think if I had understood that earlier, I've had a couple of jobs where I've been like, oh, this is not going well. This is, this is very tough. But probably because I was almost too near the start still of that inverted U where there was so much complexity and so much newness, my brain was grasping at straws for like anything that felt familiar, anything that I felt like I was good at, didn't know the people. It was sort of almost overwhelming overload to the extent where you could have, and I very nearly did on one job, you could have given up or you could have lost a lot of confidence versus if you know that's where you are, you're just like, oh, it's okay. I've just not quite got to the good bit of the U yet. Or if you feel like you're coming down the other side of the U and getting into over-familiarity, I can do all this on autopilot, you can then think about, well, how can I add interest? How can I add stretch? So I was like, again, very practically and visually, maybe knowing that scale of sameness and difference and where are you on that inverted U could be helpful. And maybe for managers to think about for the team as well yeah. and what might they need differently to be, be at their best. So I feel it's quite, it's quite insightful, it's quite a lot. This one was a heavy, topic, it was not an easy topic. I mean, the World Economic Forum have given <gasps> what us What we do next oh week? Oh my gosh. Well, next week we're doing stress tolerance. Right, okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. I feel like we, we covered the uh, originality and critical thinking ones first and they get a bit, they get a bit harder now. Yeah. <laughs> but hopefully we've, we've made it something you can act on and to make it a bit easier for you as well, we have got the pod sheet. So you can always find the link to the pod sheet in the show notes or on our website at amazingif.com. We summarise the quotes, we summarise some of those insights that we've got and perhaps most importantly, those ideas for action that we've got to after reading so you don't have to plough through all the all the different things that we have done. Uh, but we would love your feedback on this series. Is it one that you find useful? Uh, it's one that I think we quite like researching, but it is something different than our, than our normal episodes. And you can always email us with your feedback. We are Helen and Sarah at squigglycareers.com. So that's everything for this week. Back with you again soon. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Bye, everyone. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.